0: Like I said, a few kinks to work out in our new scheduling. If you're visiting with us and uh, maybe assuming that we're an hour in and we would be done, um, I don't apologize for that, but I do just simply explain that uh, we've made our Sunday morning service a little bit longer and uh, probably still working on the finality of that particular schedule. But again, we're glad that you're here this morning. If you want to be opening to Psalm 34, we'll take our text this morning from that psalm. And we will discuss again at worship. Um, I know we have a number of visitors. We have some from our community who may be new to Churches of Christ. And we're glad that you're here. I know that we have visitors that go back family-wise a long way uh, here. And they're visiting with us today. We're thankful for that. Hannah Hannah made the statement the other day that um, I never point out when she and Chant visit anymore. that, That I always mention the other visitors. And I always highlight the fact that they're there. And so today... I just want you to know that I'm thankful that Hannah and Champ brought our unborn grandson to services. You know, I tried to make a joke of that. It still sounds extremely weird uh, to say. We are glad for all of our visitors. We're glad that you're here and hopefully what's been done has been encouraging to you already and what we have to say will simply add to that as we praise and worship our God together. You know, a change of plans can be disappointing. It can be Uh, refreshing or we could care less, right? I think we've all been there at some point or another. I make this statement to begin the sermon today not because of the change in worship schedule or times or our arrangement but because of the subject matter at hand today. If you've been watching the the banners throughout the year, you know that we've moved from month to month to to a different theme or to a new theme under our overall concept. And this month is supposed to be sermons about the Godhead, And then we decided that we were going to shift things around and we were going to focus on Sunday morning on worship uh, in particular and to to move our Bible classes to Sunday evening. And so over in November, our plan was to study all about worship on Sunday morning. And I'm not the, the smartest person in the room, but I did feel like that perhaps moving the November theme to this month might fit better. And so an audible, a change of plans. And for the duration of this month, we'll talk about and deal with matters relative to worship. And our text this morning in Psalm 34 is one of those texts. Before we get there, though, I just want to read to you a quote. A.W. Tozer said, Worship must always come from an inward attitude. It embodies a number of factors, including the mental, spiritual, and emotional seat of man. That is, that our worship is spirit and mind and emotion and body. The result of our worship ought to be unparalleled joy that our hearts are blended and that we're happy. I don't mean by that that we come happy, that we're here because life is great and we have no problems and there's no difficulty. But when we come into the presence of God and we gather with God's people and we spend an hour plus honoring Him and loving Him and serving Him, it should change the tenor and tone of our week. In fact, I believe that our worship should be so infectious and so addictive in the joy that it brings that it's what drives us back here. I know that we probably all at times have attended worship out of guilt or a sense of obligation. That if if we're not here and we don't show up or we don't go, that someone will be let down, someone will be upset. Maybe even we might get a visit or a phone call, a parent or a child, an elder, a preacher. And maybe there's a sense in which we've built a community around ourselves that, that we're accountable to one another and that's a great thing. But the end of the day, really the beginning of the day, what, what drives us into the house of God, not necessarily into a building, but before the throne room of God, is the joy and the happiness and, and the, the encouragement we receive from having lifted our voices, emptied our schedules, exalted our, our thoughts heavenly. Now, I know, and I probably, and you know me, you know that I have to say this, that worship's not about what we get. We don't come so that we're joyful, and that's our our chief objective. But anytime we offer to God the greatest sacrifices that we have, there will be a return, will there not? There will be a benefit. It's not our text or story this morning, but you remember in Genesis 22 when Abraham was called to offer Isaac? The Bible says that, that Abraham called that moment in time worship. He said... You stay here with, with, with the animals and, and, and the, the young man and I will go into the mountain and we will worship. Do You know that the Hebrew writer later says about that occasion that Abraham went into it knowing that he would receive his son back if he went and offered him. Now I know there's a level of faith there. that's staggering for us, to think that that he would go and and willfully lay down the life of his son, believing that God could raise him from the dead. But the point is, he went into worship knowing the cost, but realizing there would be a return. And if we're going to be worshipers as God would have, we have to believe both of those things. That we come into worship with something to offer, with a cost to be paid, but realizing that there's going to be a great return for us. And so our text this morning in Psalm 34, we just want to read the first three verses our thoughts will center for just a few moments on the third verse. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. O, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That's what we want to do this morning. In fact, I think that's our intention every time we gather is to magnify the Lord together three three things just from this short passage that should enhance and encourage and strengthen our worship together this morning. First of all, it's indicated in this particular psalm, in this particular verse, the point of our worship. the point of our worship. Did, did you notice the term we've we've used it our, our whole lives as worshipers. We're here to magnify. The name of God. There's a parallel word, although it doesn't mean the same, it's not the same Hebrew word. There's a parallel word at the second part of the, of the psalm that says we exalt his name. And sometimes we, we, we equate the two and we make no distinction between them. Now, I believe the end result of magnifying and exalting God is the same. He's honored and, 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 and lauded and cherished and extolled as we should. But the word magnify, even in the English, what do we think about when we think about magnifying something? We're thinking about blowing it up, right? I want to get a closer look. I want to see it better. I want to make it larger than it was before. Well, the idea behind this Hebrew word means to make great, to grow up, to magnify, to to zoom in on something. That makes what we do in worship then pretty significant, right? You see, there's a sense which I cannot magnify the name of God any more than it's already magnified, right? I mean, he alone is God. If we were never born, if we had never gathered to worship, if we had never obeyed the gospel and become part of his family, he would still be great. He would still sit above the circle of the earth and claim his position as creator and sustainer of all life. So there's a sense in which there's nothing that I can offer to God that makes his name greater. But there's also a sense, which I live in a world, and we'll talk more about this in a moment, to where he isn't magnified, that he isn't made great, and that I've been called as part of my responsibility as a, a saved believer to magnify that. Yes. Think with me, this was almost the, the, the bulk of the lesson this morning, in fact it's what got me to thinking about this passage and, and this series connected to this new day, this new plan for us think about the different things we do in worship and notice how they magnify the greatness of God. We generally do five primary things when we gather together. For example, we sing, and we've done a lot of that this morning. I've enjoyed that personally. I've been excited about that. I've been looking forward to that opportunity in, in our new scheduling. But when, when we sing, we're magnifying the worthiness of God for all that we say. We we sing songs about his grace and his mercy, about his justice, about his friendship, about his constant care over us, about our need to serve him. But with every song and should be with every line, we are magnifying the worthiness of God. That's why we don't sing in honor of one another. We don't write tribute songs and bring them into the church and sing them for our elders or, or our older members. But that's not what worship's about. It's about magnifying the greatness of our God, about his worthiness. To be praised and to be worshipped. Many of our songs this morning direct quotations from scripture at some point about the need that we have to to, to proclaim God's greatness. When we sing, we're magnifying his worthiness. When we pray, we pray we're magnifying the sovereignty of God, aren't we? We've been studying for, for a quarter now on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights about prayer. And about how that that prayer should be predicated on this this concept that, that God's will be done in all things. I should say it and I should mean it when I pray. And so when I pray for something to happen and I ask for a response from God and I qualify it by saying, if it is your will, what I'm acknowledging in that prayer, what I'm magnifying is that he's still in control of it all. Even though he has brought me into this partnership and made me a part of the, of the team and given me a voice before his throne, at the end of the day, he's still over it all. So our prayer magnifies the, the sovereignty of God. When we give, as we did this morning and we do every Sunday morning, of, of what God has blessed us with and, and, and we give to fund the work of the church and the benevolence of, in our community and, and the spread of the gospel around the world, what we're, what we're magnifying is God's ability to work through human agency, aren't we? God's always invested in men from the time of Adam and Eve on, and, and sometimes it boggles our minds to think that, doesn't it? What could God do through us? How imperfect are we? How incomplete and insignificant at times Are we in in our efforts, and yet when we give, we're not giving to say, okay, I'm going to give because I'll be reprimanded for not. We're giving because we know that God can take a little and make out of it a lot. That's illustrated to us even in in the the earthly miracle sections of the Gospels, taking those loaves and fish and multiplying them. And he can take what's in that plate and not actually literally multiply the number in the bank account, but he can bring souls and strength and help From just a little. He's done it in every generation of time. And he's still doing it in ours. And we magnify his ability to work through human agency when we give. When we preach. When we preach and we teach. We're magnifying the Lord's wisdom over man's foolishness. We don't stand in in this place, at least we shouldn't, and give you our thoughts and opinions. They have very little weight anyway in the world. They have even less in the circle of authority in the Lord's church. We speak His words. But we know it's His truths. What He's revealed and what He expects. And when we preach that Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, what we're doing is we're magnifying the wisdom of God above the foolishness of men, against the doctrines and, 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 and whims of, of mankind. By the way, our message then never has to change, does it? If that's the case because his word will always remain the same, and we can be assured of what we're being taught because we can compare it to the word of God. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, again, something that we do every Lord's Day, as in keeping with the pattern of the early church, we magnify the gracious sacrifice of a giving God. We magnify his love and its concern, not just in the cross, but certainly in it. But in the promise that as we commune, he'll commune with us. And that he's with us as we partake and as we gather around that table and as we remember his death, as we celebrate his resurrection, anticipate his return, magnify the Lord with me. The point the point is to make great his name in this place. And that means it worships more than sh- the showcasing of talent. It's more than the expression of human ability or ritual or ceremony or sacrament. It's about rejoicing and honoring and reverencing and blessing and praising and exalting and thanking and magnifying God while we stand in awe of His love, grace, mercy, and power. Magnify the Lord with me. We also learn from this passage about the place, at least implied, about the place of this worship about the place of this worship. Now, I mentioned it's implied because it's not explicitly stated in the text, but the idea is you have one man talking to another man, right? This is a call for worship is what it is. Here's David, the psalmist, writing, and I don't know if he's writing in in hopes that Israel will listen or his family will listen or just his neighbor will listen, but he says, listen, why don't you come to where I am and together we can magnify the Lord. That's human-to-human interaction, I think that's important for this psalm. You know why? Because heaven has God's name magnified, taken care of. Heaven's accomplished that, haven't they? If you, if you don't believe that, read Revelation five eleven through 14, and read about the throne room scene before God and the lamb that's praised and exalted and the, and, and the 24 elders crashing, casting down their, their, their crowns before him and bowing down. They have God's name magnified down, but our world doesn't. Friends, it doesn't. We may, but the world doesn't have it down. You see, we live in a world that instead of magnifying the name of God, they demean it, they belittle it, they joke about it, they forget it, they take it in vain. And in a world where that is generally done throughout our land, the remnant of God's people, the faithful, the redeemed they come together on the Lord's Day, and they fight against the tide. I don't know if you've ever thought about that with our worship, but that's what it is. In, in, in a nation, and a country, and a time when God's name is held in derision, God's people come together, and they stand united as one, and they say, not here, not in this place, we will magnify God. His name will be reverenced here. We will exalt it. I don't think for a moment that we have to convince one another of that thought. But consider the force of God's people all around the world on any given Lord's Day when they stand up and say, this is where God will be honored. In this place, right here, in the midst of a world that doesn't, the place of magnification is here and now. We can long for heaven and we can desire to be escape from the pollutions of this world and and have a home where there are no tears and no pain, but until we get to that place everything within us should say we will exalt and magnify the name of God in the midst of a generation that will not. And I believe we see that from Psalm 34, verse 3. But not only do we find the point of our worship and the place of our worship, but number three, we find the people of our worship. Hear me out for a moment. Worship can be done anywhere, almost at any time. And you can be all by yourself, and offer that worship to God. That's the beauty of that relationship in Christ. Is that I don't have to go through a, a, an earthly mediator or, 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 or worship. I, I love preaching, but you don't need me to worship God. I love our song leaders and, and the way they lead us, but we don't need those men to worship God. It's an individual responsibility and opportunity. You can worship going down the road, lying in your bed, wherever you want to. You can worship. But there's something different, friends, about this statement, isn't there, in Psalm 34? Psalm 34 says, come magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. There's a call for corporate worship in this psalm. That we will be a people that collectively, particularly on this day, and every week that will, that will extend beyond this one on that point of this day that we will gather together and we will honor his name as a group. Not as individuals loosely connected by where we live or, or, or how long we've, we've known each other, but bound by the blood of Jesus Christ that together we will exalt his name. We haven't come here simply to magnify the Lord, but to magnify the Lord together. Now, there are a lot of things in our world that hinder this corporate concept in worship. Some that we probably don't even really think about or recognize. For example, how we're sitting this morning and where I'm standing this morning has a a little bit of drawback to corporate worship, right? Because I'm up here and you're down there really because I'm not very tall. That, that's really the main, main point. Dave, we're, we're preaching this morning. he'd stand on the floor, and you could all you could all hear him and see him. And no doubt, I've heard him preach. You could hear him for sure. You could see him too. So as you sit as an audience, and I stand on a stage, what does that feel like? feels like a performance, that I'm the one that's in charge, and, and you're looking at me, and I'm preaching to you. And, and in reality, we're all... The performers in this scenario and there is one who's watching who matters above all but since we've arranged our auditoriums to be like a theater style we we miss the corporate concept furthermore we have more room than we need that's a great thing because we plan to grow right that's we do so that's a great thing what i wish is that we had some type of of technology to only make the the pews appear when the other ones are full And so those who are isolated and sitting over by themselves, they couldn't do that. Because the pew wouldn't be there until you filled the one in front of it. And, and generally, I would appreciate if they were filled from the front back. That's just me. But that way you would be closer to me. And I'd feel like less of a performer and more of a corporate worshiper with you. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's the fact that we don't see each other between Sunday night and Sunday morning. And we don't talk to one another. And we're not in each other's homes, and we're not in each other's lives, and we're not invested in the other activities of the Lord's church. And so when we come together, we're not really together. We're just in the same room. Come magnify the Lord with me. That's more than a location, isn't it? It's a disposition of heart. I want to be together on the same page with God's people, and I want to worship him. Yeah, I want to offer a point of application, and the lesson will be yours this morning. It falls in line under that same idea of, of, of the people of, of, of worship and how we, how we gather together. Um, but I want to make it because this past week I, I heard, um, heard a man actually reference a statement that was made in our workshop many years ago by, by David Shannon and really got me to to wondering about us now as compared to then. And he wasn't saying it about us. He was saying it about generally any person who was there. He said that, that apparently David Shannon said a few years ago at our workshop, he asked, if the church where you worship stopped meeting, would the world know it? If you shut your doors tomorrow, would the community you live in be any different? That's a sobering thought, honestly. It's not the point of the lesson, but it's a sobering thought. I thought about it from this perspective. What if, for, for sake of our corporate worship, of how, how much we're drawn together, how much we love each other, how much we long to be in the same room, worshiping the same God on the same day of the week, every week, if this church were to cease to exist, this congregation the Lord's people were to cease to exist tomorrow, would your life be affected next Sunday? Now, I know that you could go somewhere else to worship, right? That's available to you. But it, it should. As a people who've been together as long as we've been together and have brought other people into our family by the blood of Jesus Christ, it ought to mean something to us. Not just worshiping together, but us here in this place, this body of people being together, does that matter to us? Because, quite frankly, friends, sometimes, based on our actions and our attitudes and our dispositions, it doesn't feel like that it would. What I desire for us is to reflect Psalm 34. In verse 3. let's so magnify the Lord together. As we traditionally do at the end of the sermon, we'll offer the Lord's invitation. We'll have an invitation song that's already been announced. That will give people an opportunity if they need prayers of the church, if they want to obey the gospel as Bailey did yesterday and put on Christ in baptism. If they need strength or, or encouragement, if, if they're looking for a church home and have questions about who we are, whatever those needs are, you'll be given that chance as we sing the song of invitation. There'll be elders in the back. That, that can assist you. There'll be a preacher and an elder up here that can assist you. Don't, don't waste the opportunity. I know we've been here a little longer than normal, actually not even a lot longer than some normal times that we get together, even before we moved our Bible classes. But nevertheless, different story for a different time. Don't leave out, don't run out, don't forget. But I would encourage you to magnify the Lord together with us this morning. If we can help you to come, please while we come while we stand and sing.